Yes, and as you're seated, I just must say there are more of you here today than what I expected. A little bit of cold in, in Texas kind of shuts us down sometimes, so glad to see you this morning. Happy New Year. Hope that you're doing well. Hope that you're excited about being in God's house this morning, and I hope that, yeah, all right, praise the Lord. I hope that um, God speaks to you this morning, but in order for that to happen, we've got to do a little bit of prayer right now. So if you would, let's do some praying. This is time for you to pray. And let God open your heart and speak to you right now. So, Lord, we just pray that you open our spiritual eyes and ears. So right now, you're praying in your heart. You don't have to pray out loud. Amazing thing is, is this all-knowing God knows your heart, and he hears your prayer even when you're speaking right now to him. Lord, I pray that my spiritual eyes and ears will be open to hear and see what you want me to hear and see. Can you pray that? Maybe we could thank God right now for the opportunity to worship, opportunity to come to church. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Right now, I ask you to stir my affections for you, O oh God, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit, for your word, and for prayer. As it's in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was a kid, we used to go to, my mother would take me to a department store, and I'll never forget that there was, a, there was escalators, and there was escalators, they weren't side by side, there was one on one side, and you walked all the way around to the other side of the department store, and there was the other one. One was up and one was down. And I was fascinated by the escalators. How many of y'all, when you were kids, you ran up the down escalator? That was so much fun, and so aggravating to everybody else, too. But sometimes, or many times, or maybe I should say even all the time, your spiritual life, growing in Christ, is like going up the down escalator. It's like everything in this world is all coming down, and it's like you're trying to go against, and you're trying to make progress, and it takes extra effort. So I come in here today, and we start talking about on this first Sunday, we're still not going to get back into Acts just yet, but we start talking about prayer then I understand this much. Prayer is work. It is hard. Bible study, discipleship, worship, on and on and on. It takes work. And I mean, none of us in here are going to start off right now and say, man, you know what? I just pray too much already. Or I just read my Bible way too much. None of us are there. I mean, like, we all realize. Matter of fact, I mean, right now, you might have a little tinge of guilt thinking, oh, no, you know, here we go. David's fixed to hammer this. I'm going to feel really guilty about myself once again in church. That's, okay, listen, that's not what we're going after today. Because here's the thing about guilt. Guilt is short-lived. Matter of fact, you can feel guilty right here and right now. By the time you get out of the parking lot, totally forgot about it. So what our prayer is, is that you will experience by the power of the Holy Spirit, life transformation and a new want to, a new desire. See, that's what God wants for all of us. Not behavior modification, but life transformation. I think that whoever's on the computer back there, I think I need some help. I'm not, the clicker's not connected. I'm clicking like crazy and nothing's moving. There we go. Thank you. 
So when I was 11 years old, I said the sinner's prayer. Now, I didn't say the sinner's prayer in church. I said it in my house. I was telling my, my mother over and over again that I want to get saved, I want to get saved, I want to get saved. So after several weeks, because my, my, my mother's theory was if you really want to get saved, then you will just stay after it. It's not going to be something you're going to ask one time. And so I stayed after and stayed after, and after several weeks, she finally called the pastor, and the pastor came to my house, came into my room, sat down, took my Bible out, and took me through the Roman road, the plan of salvation, and I said the sinner's prayer. Now here's not anything wrong with Plan of salvation, that's very important. Anything wrong with the sinner's prayer. But here was my problem. I was banking on the sinner's prayer getting me into heaven. I thought that since I said the prayer, I'm good. No, no, really, serious. I mean, I thought that I was good because I said the sinner's prayer. That's all I needed to do. There was no Bible study. There was no, I mean, like, I would pray every once in a while to, you know, for God to get me out of a bind. But there was no serious prayer life. There was no growth in Christ better version of myself. And I'll take the Bible and it would be like therapy for me. You know, it'd be like, take these, these stories in the Bible, the Old Testament stories, you know, dare to be a Daniel or, you know, I'm going to slay the giant like David with my rocks. And, you know, and it's all this, this therapeutic stuff for me. And the deism was like, you know, God's out there and he's kind of spun everything into control, but really it's all contingent on my behavior. If I do things right and I make the right decisions, then I'll end up in the right place. And I was miserable. Amen. I never will forget one day I was, I was at Christmas, this Christmas time, I always think about this. I was in the mall and I was shopping and there was these t-shirts and they were the, had the printed stuff on them there. And, and I saw this t-shirt that said, I'm not having one of those days, I'm having one of those lives. And I thought, I can remember that vividly. There I was, 19, 20 years old. And I was like, that, I need, that shirt, I, mean, I'm, I, feel like that, I feel like I'm having one of those lives. I mean, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong is what I felt like. And the reason was is because I was approaching Christianity from the wrong direction. No one ever sat down with me and said, hey, David, listen, your problem is you just basically don't understand the gospel. Because, I mean, I thought that I understood the gospel. I thought the gospel was the plan of salvation. That the gospel was, I mean, like, people would come to me. Like, when I first started preaching, man, I would preach moralistic therapeutic deism. Just be honest with you. I preached it. I lived it. As a, as, a, as a preacher, I preached it. And when I got down to the end of the sermon, I would ask for people to walk the aisle and say the sinner's prayer, and people would be like, he's preaching the gospel. Okay, so my whole goal was to get people to say a prayer. And what happened was is that I got good at getting people to say the prayer. And people in my church would be like, David preaches the gospel. Our preacher preaches the gospel. Listen. The gospel could have jumped up and slapped me in the face and I wouldn't have known it. Because we were confused and a little mixed up about what the gospel really is. Anybody recognize that? Oh, thank God. Some of y'all recognize that. I was afraid y'all going to be like, what? Never seen that before. This is back in October. So if some of y'all, so, so a few people, so if you're sitting right now and say, I don't remember that, you probably missed that sermon. Everybody else remembers it. Okay, so here's what I want to point out. The gospel is, the plan of salvation is an, is an important part of the gospel. You can find the plan of salvation in Romans. The Roman road, beautiful, wonderful thing. But the gospel, well, our problem is many times is we, we narrow down the gospel to the plan of salvation when the gospel is a whole. I mean, like it's, I can't even put it into one sentence for you effectively. I can do it, but it's not effective. The gospel goes all the way from Genesis to the end of Revelation 
the end of this world as we know it. It is the full plan. It is, you see, salvation is much more than just in the New Testament. Salvation is all through the whole Bible. So when I talk about the gospel, see, the gospel is the plan of God starting with the fall of Adam and Eve all the way to the second coming and judgment of God here at the very end. That's the gospel. And so we talk about the gospel all the time. And here's, listen, here's what you have to understand about the gospel. Here's what the gospel is not. This will help me a lot. The gospel is not you working and earning your salvation. The gospel is not you working and earning God's favor. Okay, so that's not the gospel. So anytime I say that, I said a prayer and that saved me. That's works-based salvation. Anytime I say that I got baptized and that saved me, that's works-based salvation. Anytime I say that I did anything and that saved me, that's works-based salvation. Okay? So that's what the gospel's not. And see, I would, I would preach all around that when I was preaching for years and years and years because I had a misunderstanding of what the gospel really is. So if we start out... 2022, we got to start out and make sure we understand when we talk about gospel, what are we talking about? So how do I know that I'm saved today? So you come to me and say, David, listen, you know, okay, how do you know? I mean, you, you talked about saying that sinner's prayer and all that kind of stuff. So how do you know today that you're saved? Okay, you ready? Here we go. I'm, I, got, I, I thought about that this week and I got an answer for you. Here's how I know that I'm saved. Because I am more acutely aware of my sin today than I ever have been in my whole life. Not because of anything good I have done or good I'm thinking or good I'm feeling. It's because I'm realizing how bad I am. Where do you get that from? Well, so in my opinion, one of the greatest theologians who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. Wrote one of the greatest theological books, in my opinion, was the book of Romans. Here's what Paul says in Romans. He says, for I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my flesh. For the desire, for the desire to do what is good, oh man, it's there, it's with me. But man, there is no ability to do it. So when I was looking at that shirt and I said, I'm not having one of those days, I'm having one of those lives. See, my problem was is that I was trying real hard to be good and when I tried real hard to be good, all I did is realize I'm not good. I tried real hard to make everything work out right, and the harder I tried to make it work out right, man, it's like herding a bunch of cats. The more it got out of control, the more it just fell apart, the more everything just fell right. I mean, like, no, there wasn't anything that I planned that ever worked out right. Is anybody in the church with me this morning? I'm the only one. And it's just like everything I planned went wrong, and I was miserable. I thought, because here's why I was miserable, because I thought the reason it was going wrong is because I wasn't a good Christian, or because God was mad at me, or because God was punishing me, and I was wrong on all accounts. So as we start this morning, we start talking about this, here's one thing that we've got to understand. I am not trying to get you to pray more because that is going to make your life easier, or because God's going to be more happy with you. That's not why. I mean, when I read the Bible and it talks about be joyful always, pray constantly, it's not so life will be easy or better or you will be happy. 
but you will be joyful. Difference between happiness and joy, okay? That's what you will get. So, I mean, what is our motivation? Why, why, so, why pray? Well, I mean, like, we start out this year, 2022, come in and say, why pray? Let me tell you why we pray. Here, in my opinion, prayer is the most important thing you'll ever do. Amen. Wait a second, Dave. I thought it was prayer and Bible study. Okay, well, if you don't read your Bible, you don't know how to pray. Bible is what tells you how you relate to God, how you relate to one another. And in relating to God, that's your prayer life. So if I don't know the Bible, I'm really not going to know how to pray very effectively. So yeah, I mean, Bible is right there with it. But I say, what is the most important thing you'll ever do in this life? It is pray. Listen, so all of you that are 40 years old and older right now, another year just got away from you. You do realize that, right? Another, another year just slipped right through your fingers. I mean, like, is, are you sitting here right now? You're like, I mean... Listen, when I made this, when I, you, you put the little title on there for the guys up there. When I put it on there, the, the title of this sermon for the slideshow right here, I put down 2021 New Year's message. <laughs> it's supposed to be 2022. Some of y'all are like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, I have, I mean, like, it's just slipped away. You are going to be dead a lot longer than you are alive in this flesh. Two minutes after you die, a lot of things that you're worried about and you're stressed about and you're filled with anxiety about right now will not matter. Can you just for a moment think about this? How long is eternity? (laughs) That blows my mind. Never, ever comes to an end. And so what you do right here and right now, it matters in eternity. What matters more than anything else? It is prayer. What is one of the hardest things to do? Pray. I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice. An interesting thing about that Greek word, man, that Greek word messes us up right there. It's prozo, and what that means is like it's the end result. Now, the end result right here is that evil, and the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. So the end result is like I'm trying to do good things, but, man, at the very end, it all ends up messed up is what he's saying. It's not saying that I'm practicing all, I'm like always doing all bad things. It's saying, no, the end result is it always ends up a mess. Oh, what a miserable person I am. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing to keep from crying. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, man, we could spend a lot of time right there. Hmm. It's been a rough year. Thank God the answer is in Christ, in Jesus Christ. Is that, sal- is that salific terminology there? That's the Bible calls being saved in Christ Jesus. Man, there's, there's the answer. Man, that's, that's my hope. There it is. The answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. Oh, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Goes right into Romans chapter 8. There shouldn't be a chapter break right, right there, man. They messed it all up. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
So that's why today we're not going after guilt. We're not trying to make you feel guilty about it. But look at this. And the next one says, because the law. Now here's practice, numos. I mean, that's when they, see, in the Old Testament, they practice the law. So the law isn't rules of right and wrong right here, okay, in numos. This is how you practice it. The, the practice of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the practice of sin and death. It's no longer dominating and ruling over you anymore. Now you've got the Spirit of God dominating and ruling over your life. You have been set free. You don't ever say the devil made me do it because the devil can't make you do anything if you're in Christ Jesus. He no longer has authority rule over you. The Holy Spirit does. You can no longer say, oh, I really don't want to do that. I just can't help myself. It's not about you helping yourself. It's about the Holy Spirit changing and transforming you. Let me tell you something. Without prayer, that will never happen. It's just that simple. You can go to church and read the Bible all you want to, but if you're not praying, it will not happen. Oh, here we go. For by grace you have been saved. Y'all heard me preach on that one before? Thank you, Chuck. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. You can't earn it. It is the gift of God. You don't earn a gift. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should oh, walk in them. What on earth does it mean to walk in them? It means to saturate ourselves in them, for them to become a very essence of our life. Because if you're going to follow Jesus, you've you got to be walking. If you're following somebody, that essentially means you're walking, you're moving, there's motion involved. Look at this. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in. Okay, we're following, so we're moving. He's not going to walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. So if you're walking in the Spirit, what does that mean? That means that you're, it's every essence, every part of your life. It is consuming you. It is changing you. It is transforming you. So here we are this, this morning. This is the verse I want us to really dig into as we really go into John chapter 15 in just a moment. Here's what Paul says. He says to the church of Galatia, he says, I am again suffering labor pains. This is a, the vision here is a woman giving birth to a baby. For you until Christ, and this is still the whole, this whole thing, until Christ is formed in you. So it's something that is being birthed, something that is, that is being created. So he says, man, I'm working real hard. My desire for you is that, that you are, that Christ is formed. Okay, so hang on, hang on. We've been talking about for years you being in Christ. Okay? So now let's start talking about the fact that Christ is also in you. You're in him. He's in you. If he's in you, then his very nature will be changing you, transforming you, changing your want-tos. I mean, it really, honestly... It blows my mind that you would want to be here this morning. Because, I mean, how many, I mean, really, I mean, let's just be honest. We're in church. There's no use in lying right now. Some of us woke up this morning. It's like, man, it's really cold out there, and I don't want to get the kids up. I don't want to get out of that, you know, and it just be, uh, they have it online now. 
So it's not anything, so, you know, when I get up here this morning and I talk about this, you should fully understand something. I realize what I'm talking about. You can't do it. It's just, that's the, you can't do what I'm asking you to do this morning. You need some help. Good news is, if you're in Christ, you've got the help in you. It's not coming along, but it's not going to catch up with you tomorrow. You don't ask for it. It comes. It's there all 24-7. It's there. The question is, are you, are you letting it change you or are you ignoring it? Some of y'all right now, you're ignoring it. And you're headed for trouble. Because a very loving thing God can do sometime is wake you up where you have no choice but to pay attention. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So whenever Adam and Eve were created in Genesis, what were they created in the image of? In the image of? That image of God was mired whenever Genesis chapter 3, whenever they sinned. So that whole gospel story... So this is, this is the redemption of the image of God that's been created, we've been creating. That's what, that's what Jesus bought back, that's redemption. He bought that back by his death on the cross for our sins. He paid the sin penalty, so now you can be restored back into the image of God. Conform, so listen, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and then do not be conformed to this, this, this age right here. I know that it's eons is the, is the Greek word right there. It means to this culture that you're living in. Don't be conformed to this culture. It's because, can we just slow down for a minute? Let's just talk for a second. Can we do that? Because for some of you, on New Year's Eve this year, you didn't do some stupid stuff you used to do on New Year's Eve. Let's be honest. I mean, really, you did. Because why, why do you not do some of those stupid things you used to do? Because you've matured, you've changed, you paid the price for that, on and on and on. We go all kinds of reasons why you don't do that, why you chose not to do that this year. And here's what I would argue for some of you. The reason you didn't do that stupidity this year is because you have been transformed. You've been changed. Your want to has been changed. Your desire has been changed. Be transformed by the renewing. How's your, how's your mind going to be renewed spiritually if you don't read your Bible and you don't pray? It's impossible. It has to. Now then, here's the interesting thing, okay? Here's one of the few times in the Bible that if you do this, here's the reward, in the New Testament anyway. Here's what he says. So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. How many of y'all want to know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God for your life? <laughs> well, there it is. That's what he says. See, because here, you know, because, man, listen, I am all about spiritual disciplines, all about habits. I mean, man, that's, that is where I live my life. I mean, like, I could sit here and just talk. You would be, make you go cross-eyed talking right now, and you'd be like, oh, man, what? This is not what I came to church for. I could do that if I wanted to, and I do want to, but I won't. Here's the thing about habits. All, like you read all the books about habits, they all tell you the same thing. There's always a cue. There's, some, there's something that i got to have that's going to start us off, that's going to start me off. So let's, I'm just going to talk about a spiritual discipline of prayer. Every morning, do you know what my cue is to start praying? My eyelids opening. That's my cue. 
I mean, my eyelids open, first thing out of my mouth, every day I just want to be like, God, thank you for salvation. Because you know what? One of these days, my eyelids won't open anymore. One of these days, it's going to be open for eternity, and I'm going to be in eternity in heaven with Jesus, man. World without end. There is no stupid COVID in heaven. There is no death. There's no funeral homes. There's no hospitals. There's nobody getting fired. All that kind of junk. Every, all of that that drives us crazy is gone forever. World without end. So I mean, like, every morning when I wake up, my eyelids, I always thank you for salvation. I'm getting out of this place. And, and, you know, older I get, every morning I wake up, the more I hurt. I'm like, thank God, man, one of these days, it won't, this pain will be gone. So there's got to be a cue. Then there's going to be a routine. So the routine is praying. And then here's the problem with spiritual discipline. In all these habit books, it's, there's always a reward. Always an immediate, tangible reward. Well, it's just like working out. I mean, you can work out, sometimes you might the endorphins and all that, but for all of us people that are, have got sanity, after we get through working out, it's not fun. We don't like it. It's like we hurt, we're tired, exhausted, all that. But in a spiritual discipline, when you pray, there's no immediate, tangible reward most times. When you're disciplining yourself to pray and to read your Bible, because, hey, how many times have you read your Bible and your mind drifted? How many times have you prayed and your mind drifted? How many times have you sit in church and your mind drifted? I see y'all right now, by the way. <laughs> Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Man, we, do we do that with fear? That's serious about it? For it is God. Here's the good news, man. It's like, man, that is heavy right there. I mean, like, work it out with fear. I mean, I thought that I was saved by grace. You are, thank God. But see, now you got a responsibility in this. See, God's doing some work in you, and now you've got a responsibility to, to walk it with the Spirit. Are you with me now? So you got, you got some responsibility, too. It says, look at this. For it is God who is working in you both to will to give you the desire and to work, the ability to work also, according to his good purpose. You know, we read something here in Acts that changed my life this past year, by the way. It's whenever Paul was preaching his sermon, and whenever Paul said that King David accomplished his God-given purpose in his generation, that changed my life. You know why it changed my life? Because it changed my prayer. I started praying, God, help me to fulfill my kingdom purpose. I started praying over my family. God helped them fulfill their kingdom purpose in their generation, over the elders, over the staff, and over you that come in here every Sunday morning. By the way, I pray for you. Not by name. I, don't, I can't go through all the names and all that. I'd be praying. I would be praying without ceasing then. But I pray for all the people who come to our church. And then if you ever ask me, you said, David, would you pray for me about this? Then I'll put you down the list, and I pray for you every day. So if you want somebody to pray for you every day, all you got to do is say, David, would you pray this? And I'll do that for you. I say then, walk by the Spirit. You will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Because mm. let's, let's just look a few more verses talk about this. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. You know that, right? Amen. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Oh, I'm feeling better already. Glad I came to church because here's what I know. I know that prayer... Bible reading study, stewarding my spiritual life, physical life, re relational, emotional, and mental life, that is all painful to my flesh. I don't ever wake up in the morning and my flesh is like, oh man, we get to pray today. 
It's just the I mean, like my flesh is trying to talk me out of praying. It's trying to talk me out of studying my Bible, out of all of these other disciplines. See, here's the thing. On the physical, relational, emotional, and mental, all of them are tied to the spiritual. And if I got the spiritual right, then physically it changes. Relationally, my relationship with Melissa, my family, the, the elders, you, all of us, that changes. When the spiritual, when that discipline is right, the emotional and the mental. Man, I don't, I don't know how to, to I don't want to come off like I'm saying that, that the TV is a devil box or anything, but I just, so I'm trying to think of how to articulate this effectively, okay? So like, I have had to learn to discipline myself not to watch movies or TV shows that grieve the heart of God. Never forget, whenever Melissa and I, I mean, before we ever got married and we were dating, and I said, hey, you know, I was looking at movies. I never thought about this before in my life. You know what I mean? Man, the more the, the movie was crude and rough and people were getting shot up and everything, I was like, yeah, that's my kind of movie. And I never forget, we're sitting down, Melissa, I said, hey, what about watching this movie? And she looks at it and she goes, ah, oh, you know, that's rated R, and when I watch rated R movies, they make me unhappy. And I was like, okay, first of all, I don't want her to be unhappy. I still feel that same way, by the way, because whenever, you know, the wife's had, anyway, so. <laughs> but I started thinking, you know, I'm going to go back to that shirt that said I'm not having one of those days, I'm having one of those lives, and I was very unhappy because there was a lot of stuff going through my mind that shouldn't have been going through my mind. Like, why am I thinking like this? I mean, hey, listen, so I've had to guard myself, discipline myself, that whenever I can, you know you how it is, you're going through Netflix or whatever, and you're seeing the, the, the slide of the movie right there, and when I see the slide and it's dark, then I know I don't need to watch that, because if I watch that, I can put the filter on there, filter out all the cuss words and all the junk that I want to filter out, but still, when I get through watching it the next day, all of a sudden, that's all messed up. And why am I thinking like this? And I start praying and thinking about it, and I trace it back to, oh, yeah, because I chose to undiscipline myself and to watch something that grieves the heart of God. And so now the Holy Spirit inside of me is grieved. And now since this grieved, my mind is thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. So here's what it comes down to. If I really sincerely love Jesus, then I don't want anything coming between me and Jesus. You know that if you really sincerely love someone, you don't want anything coming between you and them. It's not worth it. That movie or whatever, hey, listen, I can relax and watch something else that doesn't grieve the heart of God, and then the next day, I'll be thankful that I did. Oh, here we go. This is what I'm going to preach this morning, John 15, 1 through 5, and it's only almost 11 o'clock. Jesus said, I, <laughs> somebody groaned on that one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So, I mean, Jesus, this is the night before the crucifixion, walking by some, probably walking by some grapevines, and he turns there, and he, he, he starts pointing to the grapevines, and he talks about his and the Father's relationship to us. And here's what he says. The Father owns the garden, okay? He owns the vines. So there's something that he wants from the vines since he owns the vines. Are you with me? Say amen if you are. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, takes it away. It's gone. These are the phonies. 
These are the fakes. And then listen, the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about how that the angels are going to separate the lost from the save, the, the wheat from the tares, the goat from the sheep. And right here, so there's, there's false, you know, and, and right here we talk about the, the vine, the branches, there's false branches, you know, they're not really attached, they're not really, and how do you know? They're not bearing fruit. When they don't bear fruit, then the life of God is not coming through them. And he prunes, Catharo, right here. Hold on to that for just a moment because it's going to make sense. It's going to tie into another word in just a moment. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit. Wait a second. You know the pruning process? That's cutting away. That's painful, right? I remember the first time I heard a preacher preach this sermon, I got, a, I got upset about this sermon. Because what he's saying is, is that if I'm producing fruit, he's going to bring some painful stuff into my life and cut away some stuff so I will, look at this, because he wants it to produce more fruit. That's what the, the one who owns the garden he wants, he wants more fruit. So there's the dead shoots in my life, the parts of my life that don't matter in eternity that I'm giving my energy and my focus to, that are taken away from my kingdom purpose. And so God will lovingly prune that away, cut that away. See, some of you are shaking your head right now because you've had some of those things that you loved, your little idols that you loved that got pruned away. And when it got pruned away, it hurt, and it was devastating, but now you look back at it and you thank God that it's gone because it was draining you spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, and God changed all that around to pull that into the, the life going into your spiritual, eternal life. Hey, what's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? What kind of fruit is he wanting? Notice it doesn't say, it's not plural. Do you see that? It's singular, right? The fruit of the Holy, there's nine of them and it's singular. How does that work? Because you can't have one without the other. You can't have one increase and the others not increase. They're all, this, they're all working in unison with one another. And whenever you stop walking with the Spirit and they, one starts to decrease, guess what? All the rest also. Now let me ask you a question as we read these this morning. I want you to think about this. How many of these nine would you consider to be relational? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To you, you that are married in here this morning, how many of you would be like, ah, you know, my spouse is just way too patient. Just aggravates me to death. How many of y'all, I've never heard anybody say, I've heard anybody come in and say, David, man, listen, pray for me, I'm way too patient. Never have I heard that. I mean, how many of us would be like, man, you know, that's, I wish my spouse wasn't so faithful. These are all relational, aren't they? And he says that right here, there's no law against these. Now look, look, this is where it gets interesting, okay, because I'm not going to stop right here. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, what have they done? Now listen, I want that verse to say, he crucified our flesh. That's what I want to say. But who's responsible to crucify the flesh? I've, I mean, I'm the one that's responsible for this. So that means I can go turn on those rated R movies and unfilter them and watch them all day long if I want to. That means I can go and I can get on the internet and look at pornography and all that kind of stuff and no one's going to stop me on that. 
By the way, would that bother you if you came to church and I got up here and I said, oh yeah, I watch pornography all week long, so I'm preparing sermons. I would, I mean, like, y'all need to go talk to these elders. I'd need to be on my way out, right? Because that, that's problematic. So who's responsible? I mean, Jeff doesn't come over to my house every day and go, hey, David, let me get on your computer and check it out. But I'll tell you something, though. If he came over, he could. My computer's wild. My phone is to me. I can take it all. Melissa looks at my phone. She's got all the passwords. She, there is nothing hidden. I do not live any. No one's going to come to me and go, David, I got you and out you. I mean, people come to me and say, we, got, we know what you did. I'm like, you're right. My family knows. My daughter knows. Everybody knows. You're right. That's true. I'm not going to be outed. So let me tell you something. It is your responsibility. You know, why do I do this? Why do I crucify the flesh? Because I love Jesus more than I love myself. Because I love Jesus more than I love my wife, my children, my grandchildren, these elders, this church, whatever it may be. That's the only way. I, listen, if I don't love him supremely, then I'm going to be sneaking around doing something I shouldn't be doing because my flesh is going to start winning out. But if I love him supremely, then I will have no problem crucifying the flesh and all oh, the joy and the peace that comes with that. See, some of you right now, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, David, I love Jesus, but I've got this thing over here that's ruling me. Let me tell you something, nice as I can, you don't love Jesus like you think you do. That's just as nice as I can put it. If you really love Jesus, they say, well, Man, that's not fair. I don't like that. It hurt, hurting my feelings. Let me tell you something. The reason any of us don't love Jesus like we should is because we don't pray like we should. That's my whole point this morning. Man, David, I, I want to get there this year. This year, I want to be there. Then I'm telling you, this is the avenue that gets you there. It's your prayer life. Now, if we live by the Spirit, let's also, there it is again. Keep in step with the Spirit. i got to hurry up. I'm sorry, guys. So remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. Abide. Y'all know the, the, the verse that you know, say abide? Abide in me, and I in you. Remain. So listen, it's not that hard. But yet it's impossible. Okay? Because when you're truly... And motivated by your love to Jesus, you remaining is not a problem. You want to be there. You want to be connected. When you truly love somebody, you truly want to be connected. You want to be with them. But if you don't, then it's impossible. Then you're trying behavior modification, and you're banging your head against the wall, and you're saying, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to rescue me from this? I'm here to tell you today, the church ain't going to rescue you. You praying more isn't going to, the reading the Bible, I mean, it's going to be you falling in love. So why do you pray? See, this is it. You don't pray just so it'll all work out. You're, you're, our purpose in prayer is that I'm going to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. Listen, if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, that does not appeal to me whatsoever, then... You need to get somebody to pray for you. Because, I mean, like, 
to me, if somebody came to me and said, David, you know, I being in love with Jesus just isn't, that's too girly or feminine or whatever, it's not for me or anything, I'd say, like, you know, maybe you need to get saved. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or funny or anything like that, but that's probably the issue there, is you're lost. You need salvation. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much. It's going to happen. Man, if you're there, it's going to happen. There may be a season in your life where there isn't as much fruit. There may be a winter season in your life, but you're eventually always going to produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Nothing of eternal value. Listen. You look back at this last year, you may have got promotions, you may, make, you may be making more money, you may have things rolling your way, you may think all of this stuff is all great, but here's what I can tell you. If it isn't a result of your connection to Jesus, it's all going to burn up, it's all going to amount to nothing. And one way or another, it will either all fall apart at your feet here and now, or then and there. I can promise you that much. Because everything in this world is on the down escalator. It's going down. The Bible's told us what's going to happen. Everything. I mean, listen, once again, you know, when someone doesn't live in a house, why does that house fall apart in time? I mean, you got people that live in an older house. They live there and they take care of it. And it's a beautiful home. And then you got people that, got, that have abandoned a newer home. Y'all ever seen that? And it's in shambles? Because that's what happens when we just leave stuff alone. That's what's happening. It's all on a down escalator. And for you, this is what I'm saying right now, man. We're running up. And every morning when you wake up, say, man, listen, I want to fall deeper in love with Jesus. And here's what I can tell you, man. Every morning you got to get up, get ready to run up that down escalator. You got you to make the first. You got to say, this is what I want more than anything. Why I'm praying isn't so my marriage will be better. Isn't so I'll get a promotion, make more money, so I'll never get sick. Because I'll tell you, you will be disappointed in that. But if you say, why I'm praying is because I want my affections for Jesus to be stirred, and that's the heart of your prayer, then I tell you, you will be fulfilled, and you will be filled with joy. So we talk about these before, keystone. The keystone right here is the stone at the very top of the arch. It bears the least weight but without the keystone, all the others crumble in. A keystone habit's a little bitty, small thing you do every day. Now, hang on, some of y'all just lost, I lost some of y'all. It's something you do every, I didn't say five days. I didn't say six days a week. It's something you do every day. And here's what I'm telling you. If you say this year, I want to pray more than I prayed last year. Here's what I can tell you. If you say, every morning when I wake up, I'm going to spend X amount of time praying first thing, then that is a keystone habit. Here's what I can tell you. If you do that with the right motivation, that your affections for Jesus will be stirred, then here's what I can tell you. It will support everything, and it will change everything in your life because you will be filled with joy. Did I say things are going to go better? Did I say that everybody's going to love you now? Did I say that your job's all of a sudden magically going to get better? None of that's going to happen. But the way you respond to everything is going to change because now your loves are ordered. Can I tell you again? 
It's not that you're loving the wrong thing, the wrong things. It's you're loving the right things in the wrong order. I need somebody to tell me that every day, by the way. Because when I put when the right order, I put Jesus in the right order, everything else, I respond to it differently. So I'm wrapping up this sermon right now. And if y'all are not hot in here today and y'all are cold in here today, please come tell me because we're usually cold and I don't feel cold right now. <laughs> Amen. I want to share with you three things. These are my three favorite Bible apps. If you don't have any of these, then you need to come down here, get saved. And after you get saved, get one of them. <laughs> this one's free. Man, I mean, you know, we've got, and by the way, in the resource room, if you don't know what the resource room is, then it's whenever you go out these doors and you go to the left, it's there on the right. It has a whole bunch of books in it and stuff. They're all free. Take as many, take, take them, every single, you know, you, get, you want all three different ones. We got get, get three of them, take them home, read them, pray or whatever. Here's a chronological one-year Bible. They're free. So, man, I want to read the Bible through in a year. Get you one. There's so, you know, we're not looking for donations. We don't want you to give us money. <clears throat> and by the way, I'm going to have to chase this rabbit. If you ever get an email from me asking you for money, that did not come from me. So someone makes up email addresses that are close to mine, and they send out emails to our email list soliciting money, and it says, thank you in Christ Jesus, Pastor David. They didn't come from me. Here's what I can tell you. If I ever ask you for money by myself, then you'll find one of these elders and tell them, because I'm, I'm mentally ill. I can tell you that. I will never, in my right mind, come to you and ask you for money. Okay? So I just had to get that out there, because, man, that, that drives me nuts when I see it. People say, is this you, David? And it's asking for money. I'm like, oh, Lord, I repent. Okay, so. Prayer, wild at heart, great. Man, listen, these will read the prayers to you in the Dwell Bible app. This is the only one that I know of that has a subscription, and it's got the chronological Bible on it, too. I think it's like, does anybody know how much that is? Is it like $10, $12 a month? Nobody knows? 21 It's worth every penny. So I put some anti-anxiety prayers up here, but we're out of time, and I'm getting a little anxious to get through this sermon. They're on, the, they're on the prayer guide, by the way. So you're going to come up here in just a minute. You're going to, um, would you get your elements? I made some prayer guides for you guys, and um, they're on the back table as well, and they're in the resources room, resource room as well also. Now, let me just tell you this about this guide. This is a guide only. So I'm not saying this is how you need to pray, but what it has, you'll notice it has sections on it. It has sections for your family, if you have married children, if you have little children, and it's just a guide. You fill in their names in there, and it gives you um, an ability to pray, show a way to pray for them. There's all kinds of sections for the um, church, pray for them, pray in Scripture, on and on and on. So I want to invite you to get one of those. Before you do, though, one more thing, and I will stop preaching before we do communion. I want to show you this. Here's what I'm doing for this year. As if you care, but I'm just going to pretend like you do care what I'm doing this year, okay? <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Thank you, Chuck. I like having Chuck on the front. So this is, I realize this is the iPhone, and I realize that, you know, some of y'all get offended by the iPhone, but anyway, this is what I use. And in it, it has something called the, the voice memos right here. So I can take the, the prayers that I pray every day, 
and I can, as I'm praying them out loud, I can record them. And then now they're recorded. So now the mornings that I wake up and I'm too busy, I get in my car, I plug it in, and I hit play, and it plays that prayer. So if any of you have to commute any, you can take these prayers or whatever way you want to pray, and you can put it in your memo, have it in your phone, and then when you get in your car, maybe you want your kids to be prayed over, but they won't listen to you, whatever. You can record it on this, and when you get in the car, going to school, crank it up real loud, you've got to listen to this prayer now. <laughs> Shut up, listen. <laughs> but the reason, and I, listen, I've listened to him on the way here this morning when I came to the wedding rehearsal and the wedding, I was listening to him on the way here, and it's a 30-minute drive for me just listening to the prayers that, that I've recorded into my phone. And this year, pray without ceasing, that's going to help me pray more because I've got these prayers. So whatever it is, hey, listen, maybe all you need to do is just hit that recorder and say, Lord, I pray that you'd stir in my affections for you. Give me a desire to pray more. And put that one in there and just listen to that one. Because maybe I'm you're right now and you're like, man, David, listen, that does not sound appealing to me. If you ask God to change your heart, he will do that. All right, enough about me. Let's all stand. So before you come get your elements, one more thing. There's books, not just Bibles. There's books in our resource room. Those are free. Everything in the resource room are free. There's one in there called the bondage breaker. So like, if you're thinking, man, I, you know, I hear David talk about spiritual warfare, but I don't really understand it. Excellent resource. And right beside it, you'll see there's a, um, one of those little code things. You, what's it called? That you take a picture of on your phone? QR code. QR code. And it takes you right to Right Now Media, and it has 13 sessions from this book from the author on Right Now Media. If you don't have Right Now Media, it's also a subscription that our church pays for. Everybody can use it. We've paid for it. You don't even have to be a member of our church to use it. Media123 is a password it used to be. They may have changed it. If they did, I'm sorry I lied to you, and we'll get you the right one. So Right Now Media is another great resource. So much, but the most important thing is our communion with God. And that's what we want to do right now. So if you want to, there's... I know there's one at the back, so if you want to go back there and get yours and get the communion elements and then also pick up a prayer guide, go ahead. At the front, we've got two at the front. I'm right in front of it, so you can come get...